Hello and welcome to Spot Diagnosis, a podcast about all things dermatological, brought to you by the Skin and Cancer Foundation, also known as the Skin Health Institute in Melbourne, Australia. Each month we'll be talking about dermatology clinical pearls for medical students, junior doctors and GPs. I'm Dr Tom Covey and I'm Associate Professor Alvin Chong. We are your hosts. Why don't you tell us a bit about yourself, Tom? Sure. I'm a doctor currently working as a research and education fellow in dermatology at the Skin Health Institute. And Professor Chong, how about you? I'm a specialist dermatologist and director of dermatology education here at the Institute, Anton Vincent's Hospital, Melbourne. Tom, why are we doing this podcast? Well, most people can go through medical school without learning much about dermatology. I think that's something we can improve on because junior doctors see heaps of rashes in the ward and in clinic, but aren't too sure about what to do with them. So we came up with an idea to make a series of podcasts about skin problems that are frequently encountered in everyday life. I do love the idea of a podcast, but isn't that ironic that we're teaching something as visual as dermatology by voice only? That's true, and it's going to be our challenge. But hopefully we can make it interesting, informative and fun. We will try to paint the picture as best we can. So what are we going to cover in our first episode? For our first episode, we'll be talking about fungal infections of the skin, hair and nails, known as tinea. Alright, let's talk about fungus. What is a fungus and how is it different from other germs like bacteria or viruses? Well, fungi are quite different from bacteria and viruses in a few ways. Firstly, fungi are usually bigger, so you can think of them a bit like tiny plants. But unlike plants, they can't make their own energy from sunlight, so they have to get their food from wherever they're growing on. I see. Can you tell us some of the examples of fungi? Well, when we say fungi, we often think of mold growing in our backyard, but most fungi are poisonous to humans, but some are actually edible, like mushrooms and yeast that is used to make bread, rice and ferment beer. Mmm, mushrooms, bread and beer, all good stuff. So why do you think junior doctors need to know about fungus? Well, because they drink beer. But apart from that, <laughs> fungi can grow on trees and soil, but they can also grow on human skin. So you know how many microbes live on the skin? How many? Millions. So we can think of our skin as an ecosystem called the microbiome with lots of living things, including bacteria, fungi, viruses, and even mites. Mm, is that bad? Well, not really. Most of these bacteria uh, and microbes just hang out without causing any trouble. Some of them can even be helpful, protecting us from harmful organisms. Okay, so you're saying lots of living things live on the skin and sometimes they can cause trouble. How common is the problem of fungal infection? Superficial fungal infection or tinea is really common. In fact, it is one of the most common forms of infection, affecting up to 25% of humans. Wow, that's huge. Mm, there are a few different kinds of fungal infections, like tinea and thrush. How are they different? The difference is the causative organism. Tinea is caused by dermatophytes, such as Trichophyton rubrum. While thrush and Pityriasis vesicula are caused by yeast, and we're going to concentrate on dermatophyte infections or, fung or tinea today. Alright, so what is a dermatophyte? A dermatophyte is a type of fungus that feeds on keratin. You know where you find keratin? Where about? You find it on skin in the epidermis, the outer layer of skin. Mm -hmm. You find it in hair and you find it in nails. And you can call dermatophytes skin eaters. Yeah, I've read that they have a role in breaking down skin, feather and hair in the environment. 
So what happens when you get a dermatophyte infection of the skin? You get something known as tinea. So these fungal in, in organisms, when they infect the superficial layers of skin, they set up an inflammatory reaction. The affected part of the body gets itchy and inflamed. So the edge of these lesions is often red, raised and scaly. It's called an active edge. What's interesting though, is that as they expand, the central part clears. So you get this ring-like lesion, which can grow, sometimes it can multiply. And descriptions of something like ringworm, spelled R-Y-N-G-E-W-Y-R-M, have dated from as early as the 15th century. Mm, do you reckon people back in the day think that ringworm was actually caused by a worm? You know, I think they, they knew there was something infective and they thought it was due to a parasitic worm. But it wasn't actually until the 19th century when a Hungarian physician discovered that ringworm was caused by a fungus. Of course, it's a, it's a great name and we are still stuck with the term ringworm because it is very catchy. So here's our tip number one. When you see a ring-shaped lesion, think ringworm and remember it's not a worm, it's a fungus. Now, how do you explain all the different names for tinea, like tinea pedis and tinea corporis? Tom, in medicine, you never use English when you can use another language to describe something, right? True. So, we use Latin. The type of tinea corresponds to the part of the body affected. And the terminology comes from Latin. So, pedis is a Latin word meaning of the foot. So, tinea pedis refers to tinea affecting the foot. And it is the commonest dermatophyte infection. Do you know what corporal means? Mm, what is it? Off the body. So tinea corporis is tinea of the skin on the body. And capitus? Off the head. Off the head. So tinea capitus, which affects mainly prepubertal children, is tinea of the scalp. And then there's something called tinea cruris, also known as jock itch, which affects the skin around the groin. Do you know what the weirdest one is? What is it? It's actually not in Latin. It's called two feet one hand syndrome. <laughs> what a strange name. Why is that? Well, if you actually have someone with tinea pedis on both your feet and they've been scratching and picking at the nails with uh, their dominant hand and they get tinea of one hand, you get two feet, one hand syndrome. Mm. So what happens to tinea if we don't treat it? You're lucky here. Tinea, the metaphytes live on keratin and they don't cause deep infections in immunocompetent people. But it can certainly spread on skin, it can spread to nails, it can cause chronic itch and irritation, and it can spread to other people. So a person with tinea pedis walking around will be shedding epidermis infected with dermatophytes. That sounds pretty contagious. I suppose that's why people say not to share their towels and walk around barefoot in public shower. Absolutely. It's important to tell this to our patients to prevent the spread of tinea. And we should also make sure that patients with tinea are promptly treated. Okay, so how do we diagnose tinea? So clinically, tinea of the feet or tinea of the skin produces a ring-shaped rash that may be single or multiple, and that's classic ringworm. On the feet, it can cause scaling and itch, uh, called moccasin tinea, the whole sole may be affected. So most of the time, you can diagnose tinea clinically. But lots of rashes are scaly and itchy. Yes, many things can look like tinea, especially psoriasis and eczema. And often all things are treated like tinea. So do you know what we can do to confirm diagnosis? Scraping? Scrapings. You can use a blade to scrape the active edge. But isn't that uncomfortable? 
it's slightly uncomfortable, but I've actually scraped kids and they're much more scared of the scalpel, but not of the scraping itself. It's fine as long as you don't draw blood. You know what the tip is then? Hide the scalpel. Hide the scalpel. All right, I'll make sure how high the scalpel. Then what do you do with the scraping? The scrapings can be examined by light microscopy and then they can be cultured on agar. Microscopy of tinea shows high fee and the results can come back quite quickly, but fungal culture can take a few weeks, but either should enable a definitive diagnosis. What about tinea of the nail? So tinea of the nail is known as tinea onychomycosis. is very common. It gets commoner as people get older. So up to about half of people aged 70 years or older actually have onychomycosis, although it's largely symptomatic. So classically, the toenails are more commonly affected than the fingernails, and they show discoloration, they get thick, and there's a chalky, yellowish appearance. It's usually not particularly painful or itchy. Okay, how, how do you confirm the diagnosis then? You need to actually clip off as much abnormal nail and scrape off subungal debris as possible. And then you send that off for fungal microscopy and culture. So that's our tip number two. We should always send off nail sample when suspecting onychomycosis before starting treatment. Okay, now we have done the foot fungal infection. So let's work our way up. Let's talk about jock itch. What is it? So jock itch, known as tinea cruris, um, as the name suggests, it's itching particularly of the genital area. And it's a type of ringworm. When you actually look at it, you get this scaly, raised, sometimes sharply defined border spreading up from the groin to the inner thighs. But it can also spread to affect the genitals. Can it affect women too? Yes, but men tend to get it more commonly than women because, as you know, in, in men, the area tends to be a little bit more crowded, so they sweat more. And fungi love warmth and sweat. Okay, is there a way to prevent it? Yes, good skin hygiene is pretty important. So you want to keep the groin area clean and dry, avoid tight synthetic clothing, wear cotton rather than you know nylon, and change the dry clothes after sweaty exercise. Okay, let's keep working our way up. How does tinea cause problem in hair and scalp? Tinea capitis affects young children before puberty, but it's pretty rare in adults. Why is it rare in adults? I think it's due to the fungi-satic activity of fatty acid and sebum that occurs after puberty. How interesting. So what does it look like? Usually, tinea capitis can present as a solitary patch or multiple patches of hair loss with itch, scale and broken off hairs. But some cases of tinea capitis are very subtle, and I've seen patients with only a few scaly bits on the scalp without any alopecia. And then there are other cases of tinea capitis where there's a severe inflammatory response, where you have crusting, weepy areas in the scalp, and that's called a carrion. This type of problem is very severe. It can cause scarring and permanent hair loss. Mm, that sounds nasty. I suppose to diagnose tinea capitis, you would need to send off the sample for microscopy and culture. So how do you actually get the sample? So what you actually need to send off is you know, samples of hair and scale in the scalp. So you can either use forceps or sterile moistened cotton swab to take out the hair samples. Infected hairs usually come up very easily. And you can do skin scrapings on the scaly areas of the scalp. You actually need to confirm the diagnosis because the treatment for tinea capitis is usually quite prolonged. So it's highly recommended that microbiological confirmation is obtained. How do you structure your approach to tinea treatment? So the treatment depends on the type of tinea. 
So if you only have a small area of skin affected, you can actually treat it topically quite easily. You know, you can use a topical therapy such as terbinafine or imidazole cream, apply it once or twice a day, and after a few weeks, the infection should clear. But when you have tinea affecting the nails or very extensive cutaneous tinea or tinea capitis, then you're going to need prolonged systemic therapy. What if it doesn't get better? What do you do then? Well, if you actually have tinea that improves and then it comes back again, then you need to ask a few questions. First, you know, is the diagnosis right? As you know, eczema and psoriasis and all kinds of things can look like tinea. So you should really get microbiological confirmation with a skin scraping. And the second thing that you need to ask is, is there a reservoir? We often get patients with tinea pedis. They can clear with topical treatment and then it recurs again. Do you know why? Why is that? Well, it's because these patients often have untreated tinea affecting the nails. Mm. And then the, the metaphytes in nails come out onto the skin and you have repeated episodes of tinea pedis. What about pets? Good question. So a less common reservoir as pets, and they may harbor organisms such as Microsporum canis. This is a zoophilic dermatophyte which can infect humans. Okay, um, what kind of pets? Usually dogs and cats, sometimes uh, hamsters, you know, but anything that's actually furry. You know, I had a patient uh, I saw a few weeks ago who took possession of a puppy dog, and within weeks of arrival, the whole family had classic <laughs> tinea corporis and growing Microsporum canis. And the, wow. the puppy actually had a tinea infection. So how did you treat the puppy? We treat the puppy, well, I asked my sister this because she's a vet. We actually use systemic antifungal treatments. Okay. All right, so that's our tip number three. If tinea doesn't improve or recur quickly, think about if there is a reservoir, such as untreated nail fungus or pets. What about tinea affecting the nails? How do we treat them? Tinea onychomycosis is a more complex problem. Firstly, topical therapies generally won't work on nail infections. Why not? Well, you know, if you think about the nail, it's actually like a waterproof barrier. And most fungal nail infections are not superficial. Okay, so, you know, unless it's actually just on the surface, topical treatment is not going to be able to penetrate the nail to kill the dermatophyte. So for most cases, effective treatment needs to be systemic therapy and for a prolonged period, at least three months. So it is very important to get microbiological confirmation of tinea before you commence systemic treatment. Okay. What would you pick as your first-line treatment for neotinia? Well, unless there's a contraindication, the first-line option would be oral tabinafine, 250 milligrams orally daily in adults. And the duration would depend on the site of the infection. Toenails require the longest duration, at least 12 weeks. Fingernails take six weeks. You know, the PBS will subsidize this treatment on an authority script in Australia if you can prove microbiologically that the patient has a fungal nerve infection, that it has failed topical therapy, and there is an extensive infection with at least 80% of the nail infected. What would you tell the patients, um, the cure rate for the oral treatment? The cure rate for systemic tabinafine is pretty high, about 70 to 80%. Mm -hmm. It's definitely superior to any topical therapy of grisofulvin. But is it safe? It's very safe. There have been a recent JAMA Dermatology publication stating that in healthy adults and children, you don't need to monitor blood tests unless there's an underlying liver or, or renal problem.
Okay. Is there anything else a patient can do? Yeah, I think concurrent physical therapy, such as removing as much of the disease nail as possible, usually by a podiatrist, can be very good as an adjunctive treatment. I've seen people who completed their treatment course and the nails still look pretty abnormal. Yeah, well, you know, you have to tell your patients that even after the fungus is dead, the nail will look abnormal for a number of months before the fresh nail grows out and for everything to look normal again. So for cases when a patient can't take systemic therapy, what would you do? Sure, there are nail lacquers that contain antifungal treatments. These need to be painted on the nail daily, and two of them are available over the counter, amrolophane and cyclopyrox. How do you use them? You paint it on the nail once daily, but you know the, the cure rate's terrible. It's quite low, it's only about 30% in trials, and in real life the cure rate's probably even lower than that, because it's actually hard to do properly. You need to debride the nail, you need to paint it on every day for about 9 to 12 months. That is such a long time for something that's not very effective. I guess for patients who are very committed can be tried. I've come across a combined nail treatment kit that includes urea-based cream. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, sure. So this treatment has two stages. Firstly, you use a urea-based cream applied daily to the diseased nail for the first two to three weeks, and that will dissolve dead nail and then a topical bifonazole cream is applied to the remaining nail for another month. But you know, this also requires a lot of commitment for patients. Uh, my experience is this, if you have tinea affecting just you know, one or two nails, then it's actually quite um, easy to do. And the cure is actually not too bad. Okay, we've discussed many pearls here, and just to summarize the, tre the treatments of fungal nails, firstly, Oral antifungal is the preferred option and first line is tibinafin once a day for 12 weeks for toenails. And secondly, if patient can't take an oral tablet, then nail lacquers can be tried, but the cure rates are much lower. Now, how do we treat tinea capitis? The treatment of tinea capitis needs to be systemic and is either oral grisophobin or tibinafin according to the body weight of the patient. You're going to need treatment to be continued until you get microbiological clearance, so about six months in general. Now, if a patient has inflammatory carrion, they will need concurrent anti-inflammatory therapy with oral corticosteroids to reduce the risk of scarring. These patients are going to need a referral for specialist care. Okay. Are there any other situations when a GP should consider a, a referral to a dermatologist? Well, I think if the rash that you think is tinea is not responding to treatment as expected, then really consider a specialist referral. We made it to the end of our first episode of Spot Diagnosis on the Skin Eaters. <laughs> to recap our top three tips from today. Firstly, if you see a ring-shaped rash, think ringworm. Second, before starting any patients on oral antifungal, meaning fungal nail or extensive tinea corporis, always send off a sample for fungal microscopy and culture. And if it doesn't get better, then we know if it's because the diagnosis was wrong or if it's a resistant fungus. And thirdly, if tinea doesn't improve or recur quickly, we need to think about a reservoir like untreated fungal nails or pets. We would like to acknowledge our production team, Maddie Shrosta, for podcast editing and music, Peter Monaghan and Joanne Coughlin for podcast support. We also want to thank a number of people who have helped us reviewing the content and also developing this podcast. So firstly, Dr. Karen Freelich. Karen uh, has a podcast of her own, Humorous Hacks, 
which is a brilliant podcast that's aimed at medical students. So there's a shout out. You should just listen to it. It's fantastic. Dr. Sarah Brennan, dermatologist, and Dr. Sunny Singh, a GP, with a very helpful advice on the content. Thank you for listening to our first episode of Spot Diagnosis. We hope it's been educational for you. If there's a topic you want us to cover, we would love to hear from you. We hope you have enjoyed this podcast. Remember, these podcasts are not meant to replace medical advice. If you have a skin condition that requires attention, we strongly encourage you to see your medical practitioner. For those who would like to access some further information of this subject, we have placed a transcript together with some further education and information resources for you on our website. I also want to do a shout out for the GP education events that we run at the Skin Health Institute. Just go to spotdiagnosis.org.au. Please share Spot Diagnosis with your friends and colleagues. Rate and review us. Let us know what you think. We would really appreciate your feedback and any suggestions. Thank you for listening.